Welcome to the Huck Adventures podcast. In each episode, we are talking to brands, nonprofits, and athletes that are impacting the outdoors in positive ways. Our podcast is sponsored by a few of our brand partners. When you use the links in the show notes and purchase a product, a percentage of that purchase comes back to us and helps us continue producing awesome content. This episode is sponsored by Peak Refuel. Peak Refuel has been reimagining and reinventing the freeze-dried experience since they hit shelves in June 2018. What stood out to us most was the flavor of their meals. Typically when we're camping in the backcountry, we've sacrificed taste for nutrient-dense meals. It's a bold statement, but Peak Refuel is the best-tasting freeze-dried meal we've had. I mean, when was the last time you had a freeze-dried meal that tasted like a home-cooked meal? This has a lot to do with their ingredients and freeze-dried process. They have real, non-GMO ingredients that taste delicious and are nutritious. Their meals are loaded with protein, 150 to 200% more than other brands, that's sourced from 100% real meat, no fillers. The biggest standout is when you look at their ingredient list. You can see just how clean their ingredients are by how short their list of ingredients is. Our favorites are the beef pasta marinara, the breakfast skillet, and the strawberry granola with milk. Visit peakrefuel.com and enter the code HUCK at checkout and you'll save 15%. Again, that's peakrefuel.com, enter the code HUCK and save 15%. Our show today is also brought to you by Sea to Summit. Sea to Summit creates gear for epic adventures in every altitude. They design and build equipment that brings you closer to the outdoors, creating gear that is nimble and light, but serious enough to deliver on any adventure. Some of our favorite gear includes their ultralight sleeping system. It's perfect for your next backcountry adventure. Sea to Summit is an affiliate of Huck Adventures. And if you click on the link in our show notes, it'll take you to a special link on the Sea to Summit website where Huck Adventures will receive a commission at no additional cost to you. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the Huck Adventures podcast. Today, I'm with Tyler Kipney, world-class ice climber. Welcome to the podcast. Ah, thank you for having me. So I thought we'd just jump in um, with kind of understanding your history with climbing in general. When did you first decide to climb up a mountain? Oh, man. Uh, I really enjoyed hiking as a kid. And in eighth grade, we went on this adventure club hiking trip. Uh, Mr. Hammond, who was actually my best friend's dad growing up. And uh, yeah, I fell in love with it there. And there's a little rock scramble at the top. That was my favorite part. Fast forward, I haven't done any rock climbing until college. Got introduced to it when I studied outdoor recreation at Houghton College. And uh, really took off there. Became the manager of the wall for a couple of years and moved on from there and was the director of student programs of a climbing gym in New York, the Edge Half Moon. And from then on, I just basically had great mentorship. So it really took off in 2013. That's when I really found my love for it. Nice. That's awesome. But not just climbing rocks, you're you're climbing ice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, <laughs> whenever I see, you know, those those videos of those ice climbers at, you know, either different festivals or different competitions, I'm just like, you've got to be crazy to want to do that. So tell me a little bit about how you decided to jump in. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the natural response for everyone I've talked to is they're all like, you're crazy. So it's pretty cool seeing that. Um, I mean, I, I've always liked competition. Uh, I was an athlete for lacrosse my whole life. Uh, 
fell in love with skiing when I was in high school, when I got my first driver's license and car. So that was awesome. And then once I did that, I was like, oh, I need to see how this outdoor sports realm is. And it wasn't until college that I found climbing, got introduced to ice climbing in college, but never got to try it. It was uh, deemed too risky <laughs> when I was there. And uh, it wasn't until the following year after I graduated in 2013 that I got into ice climbing. I was in upstate New York. It's really cold there, pretty miserable winters. Right. So I was trying to find a way to make it more fun. The skiing is not phenomenal. It's pretty fun, but the ice climbing and the Adirondacks is just world-class. So, yeah. and yeah. the community up there is great. And the mentors I had, uh, Andy Gilpin really was the main one that got me into ice climbing. Uh, yeah, he took me out for my first day. My very first day, he let me climb a mixed route after him, and that was it. That's I was hooked. I was like, I need to do this forever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. I mean, the the whole idea of ice climbing. I mean, you're you're changing, you know, your rock climbing shoes for crampons, you know, mm -hmm. and you're, you know, instead of climbing hand over hand, you know, reaching for the next hold, you're just digging in ice picks, mm -hmm. you know, and it was just. You know, one of those things where, you know, growing up and watching the movie Cliffhanger, you yeah. know, with <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> Classic. You know, when he's like hanging on to like the frozen like stalactite, you know, you know, trying to trying to climb. It was just one of those things just like that's impossible. It's Hollywood, but it's like a thing. Yeah. You know, people just getting out there and, you know, just climbing just all these ridiculous rounds. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting, too. Like I, I noticed on your phone, you've got the little pop socket thing yep. for paradox sports um we just had them on our podcast a couple of weeks ago and you know talking with them and the adaptive athletes i mean they are taking those adaptive athletes also on these ice climbing trips oh which yeah. i just think is phenomenal yeah yeah i haven't gotten to go on one with them yet uh actually one of my friends sam sala he works paradox sports quite often and uh, yeah, I'd really like to work with him on that. And I reached out to him and was like, oh, that's cool last year, but <laughs> I didn't have any time. And yeah. hopefully I get to work with those guys. But, I mean, those classes fill up fast. Oh, I and, bet. I yeah, bet. It's, it's really cool to see just, I mean, everyone wants to ice climb. Yeah. It's, it looks like you shouldn't be there, and I think that's the draw. <laughs> you know, you yeah. cascading frozen ice and beautiful places. and Yeah. Definitely. The feeling, the sensation of having an ice pick go into ice alone. Yeah. Like, you don't even have to climb. You could just stand at the base, swing a tool, feel it, and you're like, oh, <laughs> that felt right. You know? No, it's, that's awesome. I, I definitely feel like there's this aspect of my life that's missing it because <laughs> I haven't done that much rock climbing or or that much ice climbing. But but there is definitely that sense, though, of, of doing something that isn't... I guess natural is the best word. Mm -hmm. Isn't one hundred percent natural because, I mean, in a sense, you're you're not climbing it in the most natural way because crampons, the ice picks, things like that. But I mean, there's also those elements too, on a lot of outdoor sports, backcountry mountaineering. You know, even some mountain running or or even just those hikes. You know, going up to the top of a fourteener. Mm -hmm. You know, you're you're pushing your body. You're challenging yourself. You're you're getting out there in the element. And, you know, this probably was more true like 
100, 150 years ago when we were a little bit more connected to, to nature. But I would say in the modern day and age where we have like this sense of connection with our devices, you know, we've got, you know, all these big cities, you know, versus the rural expanse that used to take place, that that ability and that sense that being outdoors in those more intense elements isn't natural. No, uh, yeah, totally. But it seems like we're getting back to that. Yeah, and what's crazy is, uh, I mean, if you really look at the history of ice climbing, uh, I mean, everyone that, at the beginning people that started hiking up mountains and going through glacier fields, uh, those were the places that most people believed held demons and yeah. Uh, monsters and everything of that nature because it was so formidable for people to go right. to. And uh, now, I mean, once people realize, hey, it's it's just a different world. Yeah. And then they started uh, climbing glaciers and then they started uh, climbing mountains and then they started ice climbing and then they started yeah. alpine climbing, which had a little bit of rock in it. Then they started rock climbing and like everything's going the other way. So actually, mountains were very scary, for especially for Europeans. Europeans right. and really that breakthrough in the golden age of mountaineering really pushed it. And um, it wasn't long before they started having ice climbing competition, like pretty much right after they figured right. out how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> what was the push? Because you, you had mentioned like it was a little bit more scary for Europeans. What was kind of like the, the the push or like why was it more scary for for them versus um, I think they just have a better a better history mm. of it and uh, I mean if you go to the Swiss Alps or the French Alps and you see the glaciers I yeah. mean you're like wow nobody should be there right and um, I kind of think this speaks to the human um, maybe uh, the growth of humanity you know you look at a chart and if you see like a modern evolution chart or, right. or yeah. not modern it's probably outdated <laughs> it'll show this like caveman to human though, right. like yeah. all fours to bipedal right. and um it's cool because what separated us from animals was using tools yeah you know and and now ice climbing is kind of like in my opinion it's really fun because i'm now i'm using tools to climb yeah. something that I shouldn't be on. I can't just use my hands. Right. And I think it's just like, it's really cool because it's, rock climbing is great because it's all so natural because you're using your hands and your feet and like you're actually touching the rock. But this, uh, this using a tool to climb something is really fun. And yeah. <laughs> and to me it's, uh, yeah, I, I just love it. It's, it's a great time. So, I think, yeah, ice climbing and mixed climbing kind of speaks to that human nature a little bit. So yeah, totally. Now, now we don't have to worry about, you know, uh, or at least most of the Western world doesn't have to worry about having enough food to survive. So they're right. scaring themselves in different ways is yeah. how I feel about it. Yeah. And like the way I chose to experience that is ice climbing, not in the death morbid way, but right. like, but we're, now we have the luxury of being able to climb, whereas before it's like you were crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's such like an interesting like line of thought because, I mean, so much of the history of humankind has been rooted in fear, you know, mostly like fear of the unknowns. 
you know, to your point about like the the glacier fields, you know, where where all the demons and witches and whatnot <laughs> lived, the Yeti, you yeah, know, exactly. But you know, as we've progressed within the sciences and being able to pull back the curtain on all those different things that we used to say that was was either you know superstition or folklore or you know, we, we didn't do it because of a fear of God or what have you. Now that that curtain's being pulled back based on the sciences or technology or the tools that we're now capable of using, that's just really opened the door for, for so many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for myself, like, the reason I don't climb, <laughs> even though I know I should, is and I and I touched this on this too at the conversation paradox sports. So apologize to the listeners for repeating <laughs> myself, but like like if I was to identify like what like my own like root cause of like what is my greatest fear? It's this lack of control. Mm-hmm. Like I enjoy like anything like I'm like, I'm not too sure about that. It all comes down to like this sense of control. And I feel like whenever I am climbing, I'm always dependent on somebody belaying me mm-hmm. or I'm dependent on the holds above me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not always 100% dependent on myself. Mm-hmm. And I also know that it's not completely rational either because in a sense, if I'm bouldering, I am 100% dependent on myself. Yeah, You know, totally. the fact that, you know, I reach for hold A versus hold B and I fall... Well, I could choose a different route. (laughs) So that is like something that's, you know, completely on me. But I mean, it is still, I think, that sense of fear that, you know, holds, you know, even myself back from from doing those things. But what's interesting, though, is like that that sense and that idea of once we get over that, what we're capable of. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I'm the one of the first people to tell you climbing is not for everyone. Right. And <laughs> that's why not many people in the human population do it. And then furthermore, ice climbing yeah. is not for anyone. It's an even smaller population. Yeah. Uh, first off, access is a much harder. Um, yeah. The current state of the earth is making it much harder. Yeah. Uh, glaciers are going away. Some places that have ice for ice and snow for a long time is, you know, that window is shortening. Yeah. Um, now mixed climbing is even less people because yeah. the insecurity of knowing how steel is on rock and then into ice, it's, it's another degree that separates people. And yeah. so it's, it's funny. It's, uh, yeah, it's a very small population of us, but it's fun for me. Yeah, no, uh, that's, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I kind of like just think too, like, you know, with our our level of evolution and and as we've conquered, you know, more and more things. I was, I was watching like this little documentary about Everest and like, you know, how how the first uh, two people to summit, you know, their their journey up there. And that in itself is crazy, especially compared to like how uh, touristy um, mm-hmm. Everest has become. I mean, there's a whole story, was it last month? Or maybe it was just a couple of weeks ago about that line of people oh, yeah. just waiting to summit. And I mean, the original two, I mean, they, I believe, don't quote me, but I believe they did it without Sherpas. And now like, you know, Sherpas are like the whole, there's like a whole economy built around it. But you know, we've gone, gotten to that point where we're summiting the highest point on Earth. 
And it's like, what's going to be next? Mm -hmm. You know? So I guess we'll be exploring the far reaches of the uh, <laughs> universe or something. Sending yeah, people to knows? Mars. That's that's the ice climbing of yeah. 20 Olympus Mons on yeah. Olympus Mons on, uh, <laughs> on Mars. Yeah, that's right. the, that's the final know. frontier, the biggest mountain we know of. <laughs> sure is easy with less gravity. Yeah. <laughs> so. the, uh, yeah, and like to speak to your point, I mean, I don't... I mean, mountaineering and alpinism, the continuity of that sport and the growth of that is, I mean, we just saw some of the greatest alpinists die in the past recent years. And yeah. it's, it's been quite a tragedy. I mean, people are just getting so much better. They're pushing it harder mm -hmm. and the consequences are being realized. Um, I mean, they were known, but it's just, uh, it's just part of it, unfortunately. Yeah. And uh, so I have a pact with my wife and yeah. I'm not supposed to climb anything that has avalanche danger. <laughs> right. And I, that's a good place. Like, Hey, uh, I wouldn't like to die in an avalanche. So, so it doesn't, it works out pretty well for me. And I tend to like the things that are much more technical and much yeah. harder, but not so much a reach onto yeah. the bigger mountains. I mean, I haven't had a taste of it yet, so who knows? Yeah. But um, yeah, as long as I'm married, I, I'm going to follow that one. <laughs> no, I mean, that's that's a great rule. I mean, I my main sport is trail running. And, you know, there's plenty of times where I'm out of cell reach and my wife is just like, where are you? What are you doing? And, you know, it's like, it's, you know, thankfully there's technology. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily technology I've invested in yet. But, I mean, there's the technology out there to be able to be like, hey, I'm still alive. It's just <laughs> taking me a lot longer because yep. I, you know, didn't plan my route properly. Things like that. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, especially with um, spouses and family and things like that, like it definitely puts risk into perspective. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, just speaking of that this year, uh, the little in-reach devices mm -hmm. that are coming out, those, yeah. uh, those have saved me twice now. Yeah this year um yeah. one it was just uh because our car battery died right someone left a light on in the car <laughs> and we got back and we, it was oh man i mean it helped more mentally i mean we yeah. all survived totally. but we slept outside the car but uh, yeah. but the yeah my wife has saved me on both occasions um, yeah yeah called yeah. up lois and yeah. she she came to our service but uh one time it was after the first ascent of something on Long's Peak. And yeah. uh, we bagged a first ascent up there this year called Conditional Love. And mm. uh, we got back to the car and uh, we were in one of my buddy's cars and he was a photographer. And yeah. <laughs> like, I think the car's drive axle broke oh, um, on our way up and it actually <laughs> barely made it to the lot. So we oh, knew it was yeah. not going to be good. Jeez. So I, I forewarned my wife beforehand, yeah. but she met us down at the base. And when we got back to the long, <laughs> back to the trailhead, <laughs> there she was. And that was, that was probably the greatest feeling of the day. I mean, yeah, we got, we got that first ascent, but those, the, the new technology just enabling to push us farther. Yeah. And, Definitely. I guess suffer less, you know, like yeah. we could have done it like the, like how maybe Bob Culp would have done it back in the fifties, right. sixties or seventies. And he probably would have just sat in the lot until morning until yeah. someone came in and then, yeah. but Hey, that technology, that communication is allowing us to go further. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's definitely like those grizzled athletes that are like still around. I, I see them more like on on running trails and biking and things like that. But I mean, there's you know there's such a strong history, especially in Boulder, of just people getting out, getting it done, getting uh, you know conquering the elements that. You know, I wish, like, I could just capture all those stories that they have. Oh, yeah. You know, of going out there when, you know, before they had in reaches or... <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, because, you know, there's been a couple times where I've, I've heard stories about, you know, people getting stranded up in El Dorado and they're just hanging out at night. Yeah. Waiting for somebody to bail them out because something happened <laughs> with their ropes. And, you know, like, um, one of my good friends, he leads a night run group. Uh-huh. And, like... They were cruising around El Dorado, running, and they're just like, is that a light on whatever the uh, rock face is? And, (laughs) you know, they call out and, you know, someone's stuck. And so they call rescue services. But it's like, that was, you know, a couple of years ago when there was this technology. So thank God for technology. And, (laughs) you know, it is interesting to see, like, just how things continue to expand because technology keeps getting better and better. Oh, yeah. And it's... It's honestly what's progressing the sport of ice climbing. I mean, uh, you know, 20, maybe like, uh, not 20 years ago, but 30 years ago, 40 years ago, you know, ice screws were just not safe to use. Yeah. Not safe to use, but they're just so difficult to place that you're placed so sporadically. And now we have ice screws that are made out of both aluminum and steel, you know, aluminum to save weight, steel on the main sharp teeth. Mm. So it's like, they're so light. It's ridiculous not to carry right. them. Yeah. And uh, the ice tools are getting so complicated. Uh, some of the competition tools that we have are, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're $600 plus a piece. Yeah. And, you know, that's nothing for a mountain biker. Right. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> $600. Yeah. And the, boots, <laughs> and the boots that we're using, yeah. uh, I mean, for competition, the boots that we're using are very specific and they're $600. And then you have to buy crampons and crampons for those could be anywhere from, you know, $80 to $200, depending which ones right. you get. And yeah. then yeah, you have the tool, the picks, um, and there aren't many places to train. Yeah. So that really, it's like, uh, you're spending so much in gas, yeah. you're spending so much to yep. get to these places to train. And so it's been a really interesting Scene. Uh, the yeah. scene, I believe, is growing faster than the industry, hmm. and That's the industry is not ready for it. Yeah. Uh, fruit boots are s- sold out all the time. Yeah. For that's the boot that we use to kick into right. the wall. Uh, yeah. For competition, uh, picks are sold out all the time, um, and then it's like so. It's just hard for people to get into the sport, even when they yeah. have the capital, and then right. they have to go somewhere yeah. else. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, where where do you practice at? Do you drive out to Ure or? Um. I, yeah. Uh, last summer, so I never dry tooled out of season. Dry tooling is yeah. where you're using your tools on rock, yeah. and you go to areas that people wouldn't rock climb. They're yeah. usually it's really it's either falling apart. Yeah. Or just gross. It's like yeah. It's terrible. Just loose enough that you can dig the ice pick in. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so a lot of these places, because the roots, the rock is so loose, it's the word that they like to use is enhanced. So it's like a very chossy rock section. Yeah. And like, uh, maybe it's all falling out. Like I know, 
Jason Nelson got a lot of flack for the Hall of Justice on yeah. URA and the history of it, and people thought he was a terrible person for it. Yeah, well, different Jason Nelson, just to different. Clarify. Oh yes, yes, just okay. different Jason yeah. Nelson. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I was uh, like, I do not remember yeah, yeah. doing this. Yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah, he's a great guy, and and really he took a lot of flack in the beginning, and now when you go down to URA on a weekend, like the Hall of Justice even in the summer, has people yeah. dry tooling at it. Huh. And, and now he's regarded as kind of a hero. He's just yeah. ahead of the sport. Yeah. And it was just really a shame that he got so flogged for it, like, socially. <laughs> and and it's like, uh, I mean, he was, yeah, he's enhancing holds. Uh, the the bolts that he had to put in just to get good yeah. rocks, some bolts are, like, yeah. two and three feet long. That he had to drill. Like, maybe it'll hit good rocks That's somewhere in there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of work. So... You know, we're driving either the five and a half hours a year a to climb. We're going up to Vail in the summer to yeah. climb. And uh, we're climbing at friends' backyards in their yeah. home woodies, you know, That's, just to get time. Yeah, uh, awesome. I was teaching classes at the spot and training at the spot bouldering gym okay. on their tread wall. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, not everyone can be there. I basically have to be in the building for someone to be yeah. on it. But um, it's a great tool when I'm there. <laughs> I know the community was frustrated that it wasn't very available <laughs> last year. But um, now we're actually building a dry tooling specific gym in Boulder. Cool. It's called the Ice Climbing Cooperative, or Ice Coop for short. Nice. And uh, That'll be fun. Yeah. And I just set the first, uh, first eight routes in there. Uh, one of my buddies has helped me out. He's on the ice circuit, Thomas, yeah. uh, Tomas Airline. And he set two routes and we've been training in there a little bit, trying to yeah. like feel it out and see what it's like to have a gym for this. Yeah. You know, this will be the first gym in the nation. Maybe, uh, maybe first dry tooling specific yeah. gym in the world. We don't know. I don't think there's any at this yeah. point. And it's going to be in Boulder. It's in Boulder, nice. right next to Rock and Resol. And, cool. uh, yeah, it's really exciting to see where the sport's coming. I mean, people were hitting me, uh, hitting me up on social media when I posted a yeah. teaser video. Sweet. Like, I think I had, um, I had well over 500 views through the whole thing. Um, the end video had over 500 views. Yeah. It's like eight minutes long on a story. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people were like watching it. That's awesome. And uh, I had over 30 comments. People from Washington, Arizona. George is in Arizona. Yeah. I got to give him a shout out. He's always, <laughs> yeah. he, he loves the U.S. ice climbing team and he really supports us. Um, then we had people, yeah, Washington, Arizona, New York, um, Michigan, um, Utah, Washington State, um, California, uh, just places everywhere. Yeah. I mean, people from out of the country too right. that were on the World Cup circuit with yeah. us and they were like, oh, you're doing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And so it's really exciting. And uh, so hopefully we can get open soon. I don't know. I don't yeah. know when we'll open. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, the sport's moving in that way. Yeah. And that's fantastic. I have a theory that it'll be actually less dry toolers outside. So the rock climbers will be happy about that. But because uh, we're still kind of a fringe sport. <laughs> but uh, I think they're going to take it indoors because yeah. the movement is so complicated that you can yeah. set specifically for. It's really exciting. Yeah, and it's fun. It's powerful. It's gymnastic. It's I pick on it and call it uh, American Ninja Warrior with ice tools. And right. Yeah, it's just like you're <laughs> swinging around. You yeah. get to feel the sensation of kicking a, your boot into wood, which sounds strange until you do it. 
Yeah. And then you kick in, you're like, oh, that, that was pretty neat. <laughs> and so, like, the arborist, I think the, the arborist would probably like it in that sense. Yeah. But, yeah, we might have a, I mean, we'll have a training gym opening soon. And, yeah. like, the sport's growing. You know, whether yeah. anyone likes it or not, it's it's really fun. Yeah. And no, it does sound fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to have to come check out the, uh, the gym once that opens just to, you know, Give it a shot. Oh yeah, it's it's it'll be fun. I think yeah. we'll, it'll get pretty good coverage too because it's so unique and it's so confusing and it just and it is inherently sparks curiosity. Yeah, you know, and so yeah, that's awesome. It'll be pretty fun. So one thing we haven't touched on really is the competition circuit because mm-hmm. um, you're on the U.S. ice climbing team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, chat about that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, ever since they started mixed climbing, uh, you start seeing videos of people competition climbing. Right. Uh, it's hand in hand. And I was always like, oh, that's super cool. Yeah. I'll probably never get to do it. <laughs> and uh, moved out here to Colorado, started, uh, I never climbed anything terribly difficult while I was in New York. I did a few things and uh, that sparked my interest to like pursue harder yeah. climbing with tools and came out here, climbed a few of the harder things relatively quickly. And I was like, oh, wow, I like this. Yeah. And uh, then I've uh, got shoulder surgery and I would have loved to compete in the 2016 Durango World Cup, but yeah. I had shoulder surgery maybe a month before that. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a bummer. But uh, fast forward, got better, started ice climbing again and started going out with people that were very good ice and mix climbers. Yeah. And uh, they started uh, asking me to go out and try different projects, go different places. And yeah. then I uh, was going one day and I was going to go rock climbing. And then they were like, hey, do you want to go to Ure and climb and dry tool? I was like, guys, it's August. <laughs> like, what do you mean grab my ice tools and boots? Like, what are you talking <laughs> about? And then they convinced me to go. And the whole way there, uh, I was talking to a couple of the guys on the team and they were like, no, you should totally try to be on the team. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then they were like, the final of the circuit's gonna be in Denver. And I was like, oh man, like that's awesome. You know, <laughs> like I could compete at my home turf. It's not far from me. Yeah. Like that would be really cool. And so I went through the application process and they were basically like really pushing. If you're only signing up for Denver, it's gonna be really hard. You gotta climb yeah. another World Cup. Right. And I was like, ah, fine. <laughs> I was like, I'll see if I can do it. I'll see if it's in the right. finances. And it's really expensive. Um, yeah. There are only a few comps in the U.S. You have URA. Um, they call it the Elite Mixed Climbing Competition down there. Um, it's really the biggest one in the U.S. It's the one that most people realize. Um, right. uh, people regard it, the layman people uh, would regard it as the highest form of mixed climbing just because... Mm-hmm. They, they just don't know how far the rest of the world yeah. is into the sport. Right. But it is a great competition. I don't want to take anything from that. There's a competition in Smugglers Notch, Vermont. There's a competition yeah. in Michigan at the uh, Peabody Structures um, that Nathan Kutcher, one of the Canadians, and mm-hmm. his wife, Rebecca Lewis, put on every yeah. year. Um, there's one in Portland. There's one in City Rock down in Colorado Springs. There's only a few. Like, you can cut yeah. them all in your hand. Um, so I just didn't feel like I was ready for it. And then I started really pushing the dry tooling scene outside to see what I could do. And then I climbed pretty much everything of the harder grades in Colorado that were 
hard grades in that, yeah. that summer, which is last summer. And then I got to the year, first lick of ice, I climbed Safira, the, um, the hardest lineup in Vail. And I did it on my fifth burn. Mm. And I was like, wow, like this is pretty cool. Yeah. And so applied for the U.S. team, got in on the U.S. team, signed up for Fran- uh, Switzerland, Italy, France, and the U.S. So I did four World Cups wow. last year. And yeah, it's, uh, it's, it was so fun. Yeah. And I just basically have to figure out how I can afford to do it again. Is right. <laughs> And I, I'd love to do the whole one this year. And yeah. uh, they released the dates and the yeah. places uh, in the next couple of weeks. So I really got to hit up some sponsors and see what I can get from them. Yeah, for uh, sure. I hear I'm a little late though. I missed a couple, <laughs> a couple key teams I could have gotten on, but I'm not too good at doing those things on time. People yeah. tell you that, but um, yeah. well, it's yeah. tough as an athlete because you're essentially your own PR person. Yeah, trying to spread the word and get sponsors and all that stuff. It's it's easier with social media. Yeah, but I'm not good at. It. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so I'm kind of fighting against myself here. Yeah. Well, but, there's definitely that element of social media where there's just the um, inherent evilness about it. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I see that I work in marketing in my day job, and I have to do social media, but at the same time, I just hate it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I'm not I'm not very good at it. It's, <laughs> it's not a secret there. Yeah. So. Um, so with the World Cup, were you uh, at the finals in Denver then? Yeah, yep. Sweet. Those were crazy. Yeah. I was, uh, you know, watching some of the videos and, you know, looking at some of the photos that were taken there. And I mean, because you weren't, you weren't climbing on ice. You mm-hmm. were climbing on the blocks with the different holds to, yeah. to yeah. pick into. And I mean, there was that horn. Mm-hmm. at the very end and you had like this it's really hard to describe on a podcast but you basically <laughs> had to invert yourself underneath it to get to the top yep and I mean it was just kudos to everybody that did it but I mean there was even a spot too where I think you had to leap from like one block to the next block yep but you know it was just such an intense form of athleticism that was on display and I mean, everyone looked like they were having a blast, especially when they climbed onto the final hole or on that final horn. It was just like, you know, ice picks in the air, you know, oh, fist yeah. pumps, all that stuff. You know, but there was definitely, you know, a lot of, um, I guess, heartbreak too with, you know, those, you know, there's a couple people where uh, I think it was on one of the inversions where like one of the people like lost an ice pick, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, he accidentally dropped one. It's like, oh, bummer, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, the World Cup in Denver actually, um, amongst the competitors, I think it got voted best World Cup. Like oh, it was awesome. the most fun. And it, it was so unique because yeah. it was in the heart of a city. Right. All the other World huge Cups are a oh, huge crowd. Actually, I think it set a record I don't know if there's ever been a climbing event that had 24,000 people at it. Yeah. But that's what the numbers were boasting for Denver. And uh, it was crazy. I mean, you looked out, you climbed up, you looked out, and you saw a sea of people. Yeah. And you see, like, the cityscape of Denver. Oh, man. That and it was like, so awesome. Oh, so it was, much. It was, like, the coolest <laughs> thing. And, uh, yeah, and it was it was just a great experience. Uh, the competitors loved it. Uh 
because it's in a city too, there's stuff to do afterwards. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, cool. Like, want to go out and grab a drink? Hey, yeah. want to go grab food? Sweet. Um, every, other, awesome. <laughs> every other World Cup, I felt like they were up in the mountain town. And yeah. the mountain towns are the most beautiful places. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> Sauce Face, Switzerland is yeah. absolutely beautiful. Mm. The structure there is really cool because you're in a circular car park. Okay. So it's like seven floors yeah. of just spiraling. And then the center is a giant arch and that's oh, where you're that's climbing. Awesome. And so it's like kind of weird and funny sounding that you're climbing yeah. in a parking garage. But <laughs> when you're in there, it's like you're in a coliseum and people yeah. are around on every floor. Oh, yeah. So the octaves go up when yeah. they're cheering. You know, oh, you're like, ah, new level of humans awesome. cheering. And, <laughs> and then, uh, so that was really cool. Um, France was amazing because it was in this little ski ski town uh, yeah. up in Champagny, mm. or, or uh, not, yeah, Champagny, and um, it was a beautiful town. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. But everything closed at four p.m. <laughs> and so it's like uh, I had a terrible competition that one. Yeah. And finished in, uh, did not make semifinals or anything, and. Uh, we were like, oh, let's go out, let's grab a bite to eat, yeah. grab a beer, like right. just reflect on it. And it's like, oh, but it's it's 5.30. Nothing's open. <laughs> it doesn't seem very funny. European. <laughs> right. And that's how all the other comps are pretty yeah. much. And uh, man, it was beautiful. Um, yeah. Robinstein, Italy, uh, it's basically on the Austrian border and, and there's nothing around it. It's yeah. really interesting. Like, so... You just like hang out at the hotel or hang out at the ice yeah. climbing wall, and it was it was really interesting. <laughs> but so Denver, I mean, kudos to those yeah. guys. Uh, the American Alpine Club did a great job throwing that off, um, and yeah, it was phenomenal. And people were really excited, and people, yeah. um, I mean, people wanted to try it. Yeah. And, and awesome. unfortunately, like uh, rock climbing, because you're you see people grabbing holds, mm -hmm. it's you can't. You can't um, understand how difficult a rock climb is by watching it usually. And so, like, yeah. people watch it, and, like, if you don't know rock climbing, then it's it's just so foreign yeah. to understand, like, why yeah. is that hard? That that hold looks huge. Or right. That hold is super tiny, but it might be good. And yeah. so there's no reference. Um, yeah. With ice climbing uh, or with ice tools, you're hooking on these holds and, you know, everyone can conceptualize like, oh, I could hold on to that tool. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, what are they doing with it? Yeah. And uh, so they're climbing these crazy things and like people, I think people can really understand it better. Yeah. There's a, watching it is easier. Yeah. And yeah, the crowd loved it. They yeah. really wanted to try it. Unfortunately, there's nowhere for them to try it. So right. maybe maybe <laughs> when this gym opens, we'll see a big yeah. influx of people trying yeah, it. That'll so, be awesome. That'll yeah. be really good. When are you thinking that it's going to open? Um, I'm not sure. We have a couple things. Uh, we have to finish up the flooring, a couple other little like training spots. It's kind of a soft opening. Yeah. It won't be open full on to public yet, but hopefully we can get um, like key groups of people uh, that are really like needing to train like I want some of the World Cup athletes in there to see yeah. you know and like make our changes really polish it mm -hmm. and really round out those edges yeah. before we get the public in there because it is much different you know yeah. like 
they'll be using boots that have spikes on them. Yeah. You know, there's an inherent risk there with holding ice tools and yeah. flying around on walls. And yeah. Don't, so, don't kick yourself in the shin. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Just make sure they sign all the waivers. All the waivers. Sign here, 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 here. Uh, now sign with blue ink. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. It'd be great. Um, for a team at Huck to come out and do some coverage too. Yeah, we, I mean, we'd love to have yeah. you guys. And yeah, it'd be great having you and Ben over there and yeah. see how it is, see the rest of the Huck team. Yeah. No, yeah, that would be that would be great. We'll make a little video for you guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. Well, I hate to do this, but I can hear the library is starting to close. Oh, um, yeah. Just as a point of reference for the people on the podcast, we're doing this recording in the study room number one at the Boulder Public Library. So, um, but yeah, um, can't thank you enough for the time. I mean, as as hesitant and as fearful I am of climbing, I keep telling myself more and more, like I gotta <laughs> just get over it and just give it a shot. Yeah. And, and I think there's definitely some aspect of ice climbing too that's very intriguing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Highly recommended if you guys aren't already. Definitely go to the URA Specialist. Yeah, right. totally. Yep. It'll it'll be great. You guys will love it. And uh yeah, thank you for having me. Nope. And yeah, yeah, now now you guys can all come check out the Arapahoe Boulder Public Library. Studio One is Huck Famous now. So, <laughs> yeah, come on in and check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to follow Huck Adventures on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Visit our website, huckadventures.com, for updates on our app launch. And stay tuned for our next adventure. <laughs>